Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut. I went keto in 2016 to reverse my type 2 diabetes and lose weight. It's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is really necessary for long-term keto success. Oh, and fried chicken! Fantastic keto fried chicken for the win! Yeah. I'm Carrie Brown, and I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I am a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And also our experiences reversing depression and diabetes, along with bipolar 2 disorder in my case, and both of us feeling better than we ever have before. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Now, we don't give any medical advice because we're not doctors. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. On this podcast, we share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes. I love sharing recipes that will help you on your keto journey. So let's start podcast number 182, Keto Pitfalls with Kim Howerton. Before we get started, Carl, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. Sure, that's any diet that puts you into a state of nutritional ketosis. That's where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. The way we did it was to limit our carbohydrates to 20 grams or less every day, have a moderate amount of protein, 1 to 1.5 grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and all of our energy comes from fat. Fat? Fat. 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 Yep. If you're just starting, listen to our Starting Keto show at start.2keto.com or just start listening from episode one. So, Carrie, what's new with you? What have you been doing for the last week? Well, I've actually been doing a bit of vacationing. I had vegetarian, non-keto friends visiting from England. Lovely. And there was eight days of village hopping and beach hopping. If right. you know Connecticut, you'll know Stonington and Mystic, Watch Hill, Old Saybrook, and a bunch of other cute little beachy places. But we also took a visit up to Massachusetts to see the lovely beef farmer, Joan Walker, and pet mm. some cows. And a wonderful conversation was had between my friends and Joan, because obviously they're vegetarian and she raises right. cows. So yeah. actually, that was a really, really good day. And there was it was amazing to me to see... Two two people who were on the diametrically opposed side of that of the fence have this amazingly kind, civil conversation where everybody shared their views and then hugged and it was respectful and kind and That's so great, huh? new new um paradigms were developed by everyone and it was fabulous. So that was really cool. Uh, there was also a lot of keto ice cream consumed because um, 
I wanted to eat it too. So there was apricot cardamom. There was plum, mm. which is a new one that I just made for the purpose for their visit. There was wow. sassy goat. There was strawberry rhubarb pie. There was banana cream pie, pistachio rose, and lavender caramel surprise. So did they like your keto ice cream? They did. And I'm not sure they knew that it was. You didn't tell them? I'm not sure they knew it was keto. Um, they knew was it allulose-based? It was. They Actually, it was half xylitol, half allulose. Mm. Um, but they knew that I didn't eat gluten, but they weren't clear before they came what keto really was. Of course, they're clear wow. now, but when they wow. came. So anyway, I had an absolutely fantastic time. These are... People that I haven't seen for 18 years, and it was a lovely girl's break in sunny Connecticut. So that was great. And what about you, Mr. Franklin? What have you been up to? Well, I think last week we talked about the gig, right? We talked about the uh, Steely Dan night, or did we? I don't know, but we also came to that, and it was right. fantastic. Well, I don't. I can't remember if I mentioned this last week, but uh, last Saturday, my band and I, which is a nine-piece band, a Steely Dan tribute band, played uh, a night at Strange Brew Pub in Norwich, Connecticut. And who should walk in the door but Miss Carrie Brown and her British vegetarian friends? Yay! And we had a great time, didn't we? We really did. It was. It was actually the first time that I'd ever made it to one of Carl's gigs. There's always been something going on which has prevented me from going before. But my friends were really excited to meet Carl, and they wanted to go, and they were Steely Dan fans, so we all went. And there was a two keto dudes fan that just happened to be there as well. Yep, it was really cool, and I got to meet your brother Jay, and yep. that was cool. It was just, it was a really, really great night, and had a lot of fun, and yeah. My friends really enjoyed themselves and and got to cuddle with you, which is always a thing. So it was great. It was great. And uh, today, of course, I'm prepping for the Kitoki Fried Chicken Meetup, today being Friday the 16th. Tomorrow is the Kitoki Fried Chicken Meetup here at the house, and you know, a dozen or so people are coming. And I'm rendering tallow. And uh, I'm, I didn't just buy tallow this time because if you just buy tallow, it can be like three or four dollars a pound. But if you go to your local butcher and say, I want beef fat, you can get it for a dollar or so a pound. Of course, if you're blonde and have a British accent, you can get it for free. I wouldn't know anything about that. So I have to rely on what I got, you know. Anyway, so I go to Salem Prime Cuts, which is up in Salem, Connecticut, and called ahead and ordered 10 pounds of beef fat. Of course, you can just order as much as you want. If I had said 50 pounds of beef fat, they would have gotten it for me, but it's a dollar a pound or dollar something, I think. And so here I am today rendering it down in several pots, trying to uh, get the tallow out. And of course, what you do to render tallow is you take beef fat and you... They say put it through a meat grinder. I tried it in a food processor, and the food processor just like smeared all over the edges, and it didn't cut anything. So I ended up just taking my really sharp shun kitchen knife and slicing it thin and then putting it in pots uh, on low to get it started. And then a little bit, you know, as I got some liquid in there, some fat, just turned up the heat a little bit. You just don't want it to burn. You want to do a slow... 
uh, rendering of fat. And then when you're done with that, you strain it through a cheesecloth to get out all the crispy bits and the impurities and all that, and you're left with just pure tallow. And that can go in mason jars, or in this case, it's going right into a fryer because I'm doing a test run tonight. Hey, and you know, here's a little tip. If cheesecloth is weird or floppy or is kind of a bit awkward, what I do is I get my big sieve and I put the cheesecloth mm-hmm. in that. And that way the cheesecloth is held and doesn't flop all over the place and it makes it super easy. That's a great tip. Um, another word for a sieve in the United States is a colander. Might, most people might have a colander, a little bowl with holes in it or a big bowl with holes in it that you usually you know, drain broccoli and pasta and stuff with. Or the sieve that you would have used to sieve your flour with in a former life. Okay, so a strainer. I would call that a strainer. So a wire mesh. Yes, a wire mesh strainer. Either way, it controls your cheesecloth and means that you don't have to be an octopus. And usually the sieve will have a hook on the edge so that you can put it over a pot and it'll stay there. Yes. Yeah. So that's my top tip for using cheesecloth with hot beef tallow. And tallow is obviously the best cooking oil there is. Don't be afraid of it. It it doesn't smell bad. It stays solid at room temperature. You don't have to refrigerate it. This is why we've been using it as a cooking fat for thousands and thousands of years. It just It's just great. Not only that, but it's rich in linoleic acid and uh, the B vitamins and lots of good stuff. And of course, it, it cooks at very high temperatures. It doesn't get damaged like most other oils do. Plus, it's cheap. Or free if you chat up your butcher. Yeah. And you get to rejoice in the knowledge that you get all of that glorious, gorgeous beef fat that would have gone in the trash. Yep, exactly. So yay you. Yay me. Yay you. That's all I got. I guess it's time to give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug to one lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, which you can join for free at fanclub.twoketo.com. So who is the winner this week, Carl? This week's winner, Carrie, is Caitlin Pomeroy. Yay, Caitlin! Yay! And Caitlin wins a coffee mug just for being a member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get one online at gear.twoketo.com. And there's that. So uh, I guess now it's time for me to read a uh, letter! spiked on that one I, I think i distorted my preamp <laughs> i broke the preamp i done broke it all right so so who has written us a letter this week carl all right so i literally got this message uh this email about an hour ago i'm sitting out on my porch and it was somebody from the software development community i'm going to keep their name anonymous because i didn't get permission to read the message with their name on it so, you know, hi, I don't know if you remember me, but about 10 years ago, we met yada, yada, yada in the software business. He said, about three months ago, my A1C showed me tipping over into the type 2 diabetes range after years of flirting with it and knowing that it runs in my family. A friend recommended your two keto dudes podcast in the ketogenic forums, and I decided to buckle in and do keto before getting the com- confirmatory second test. And I'm now back in the normal range. Very happy about that. Thank you for creating such a valuable resource and community. I deeply appreciate it. That's awesome. Just a simple, you know, 
I was diabetic. I listened to your show, went to the forum, buckled down, did it. No longer diabetic. Thank you. But it's, it. it's also kind of magical how your two worlds collided there. Yeah. And, and it turns out they really didn't have anything to do with each other. Right. It just, you know, oh, I know that guy. I met him 10 years ago. Let me listen to the podcast. You never know whose life you're going to touch. So true. Yeah, there's a saying along the lines of it's the seeds you plant that are most important. You never know when they're going to start growing into something magical and bearing good fruit. So plant those seeds, people. Agreed. Plant them. All right. Well, Kim Howerton has been waiting patiently uh, in the wings and, uh, and holding her tongue. I know you probably wanted to jump in there a couple of times. Not that we wouldn't have let you, but... Hi, Kim. Hi. I want to do some clarification. A colander is a large thing with holes in it. A sieve, it has small holes. And a chinois is a sieve that is pointy for even smoother things. C-H-E-N-O-I-R? It's like C-H-I-N-O-I-S. O-I-S. O-I-S. That's it. Yeah, chinois. And And a strainer is kind of like the same thing as, as a, a sieve. sieve yeah yeah we called them strainers growing up but everybody else strainers kind of covers them. a lot of bases it does yeah anyway and in england okay. a strainer is only the thing you use for tea you guys have oh. a different word for everything over there <laughs> interesting yeah i'm a bit of a word geek yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself, Kim, as soon as I don't have a formal bio for you? I know that you've been in our community for a long, long time. Some lady yeah. that he knows. Um, sure. <laughs> do you want me do you mean do you want me to give you a formal bio or do you want me to say one? No, no, just introduce yourself to people okay. who might not have heard you before. Hey guys, this is uh Kim Howerton, and for those of you that don't know me, I am First and foremost, a friend of Carl and Carrie's. Yay! And also of the dude, Emetritus. Em- Emetritus? Emeritus. Emeritus. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to say that word. Uh, Richard. And um, I live in Berkeley, California. I am a keto coach. I used to be a life coach. Uh, and I was a life coach for a long time and at some point realized once I went keto that the biggest life change I could give people was not necessarily saving their marriage, but saving their life. And Mm. that felt, you know, I mean, marriages tend to go downhill when you're dead. So it felt important to change my uh, focus a little bit to keto. Also, I'm just excited about keto because it made such an enormous change in my life. So basically, I talk about keto. I do coaching. I have a website. I do Facebook groups. It's just pretty much any place that I can discuss keto, I do. You do lives with Dr. Barry once in a while? Yeah, I do a weekly live with Ken Barry, my uh, my my. I also have a clan of keto besties, I would say, uh, which is mm. Carrie Brown, uh, Nisha, and Ken Berry. And actually, the four of us do a podcast together called Keto Life Support, which is awesome. new. So you might, if you haven't heard of it, I'm not mad. It's kind of neat that you're a keto coach, but you're also, in being a keto coach, a life coach, because you could probably save a lot of marriages and a lot of 
relationships and a lot of other things in people's lives just by them getting their health straightened out, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, hangry causes a lot of problems. You yeah, know? it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's. I find that I still do plenty of life coaching because probably as we'll talk a bit about today, uh, it's all about the food and then it's no longer all about the food and then it's mm. back to being about everything else because mm. life is hard and complicated and we need each other. You forgot... Yeah. To let the lovely people know that you also have a habit of showing up in New London once a year to whip up fantastic keto food in front of a huge audience. That's right. I do. I do. I um. I come to New London, and thus far, my job is to sweat profusely, and um, <laughs> and create keto desserts. <laughs> um. But uh, I we have a awesome good time. And uh, the past two years, I've made tiramisu and chocolate eclairs. And lemon curd tarts oh, were my years. favorite, my three favorite, years. favorite, favorite. <laughs> the lemon curd, yep. It's like little lemon meringue pies. They were amazing. So if you would like to see the lovely Kim Howerton whipping up fantastic keto food you need to be ready to get your tickets to keto fest 2020 which will be yes. in the early fall of next year we're looking at september um and we're also looking at moving to a bigger space down on the on the pier which is right on the water right across from the train station there's a bigger space and also we're thinking of making all the whole weekend one solid thing. So we might be doing away with Fasting Friday, Social Saturday, Science Sunday, and sort of doing all of those things, you know, interspersed throughout the three days. That way, you know, if you miss a day, you, you're still going to get the, the, the full Keto Fest experience. You're going to have to find another way to indulge your love of alliteration. That's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. It worked for a while. But whatever but. happens with the schedule, Kim is going to be there yep. whipping up I some will. fantastic dessert for you all. Oh, I have some more news about Keto Fest. Uh-oh. I talked to my friend Nadir Ali, Dr. Nadir Ali, who spoke at Keto Fest the last two years. And he wants, not this year at Low Carb Houston, but next year, 2020, he wants to make it a Keto Fest. Wow. So exciting. Yeah. And that would be in Houston, at the University of Houston. We would be doing, and this is all preliminary talk, so there's, there's no website, you can't buy tickets, right? We, we would do, um, you know, outdoor activities, like on the lawns and on the fields out there. We would have cooking demos, and we would have talks, and uh, in much the same way that Keto Fest 2020 is going to go. And he's thinking maybe push it back to November, because November in Houston is still beautiful weather-wise. And uh, that's what we're thinking. We're talking about it. So, you know, changes are afoot, but uh, we, 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 we got some good feedback and we're sort of taking it seriously. Anyway, Kim, this is about you. That's okay. Fest. I was talking to Nadir Ali the other day, too, because uh, still preliminary, but it looks like Dave Feldman, who is a friend of all of ours, and I yep. will be at low carb houston this year to 
work on sort of some of Dave's research and simultaneously uh, allow people to get their blood tested. Um, and so that, that'll be a fun exper- experience. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's yeah. super good news. You can go, uh, we'll put an info on that in the show notes, I guess, so that people know where they can go if they're curious. Yep. Excellent. So what are the top mistakes people make or the top things that can derail your keto journey? Well, I think, I think a lot of people come to keto thinking of it as a diet because they've kind of been in diet mentality their entire life. And so their brain works on these well-worn pathways that like life is basically one diet to another diet or it's like diet binge, diet binge, diet binge. Um, And so when, when they come to keto, they kind of still have that diet mentality and it gives them agita. It makes them anxious because they feel like, you know, getting it right is super important because if they do like, if they carry the one wrong when they're doing their macros, they're going right. to screw it all up permanently. And, you know, so there's a lot of anxiety and that's totally natural, but. The most popular diet Weight Watchers is all about points and you got to right. like do the math, you know, right. you have to, right. they think that math, you know, I got to have grams and macros. And, yeah. Right. And, and I, it's not that I don't think there's a place for macros, you know, mm-hmm. in things, but I do think that overall, you know, it's a big commitment. And I'm not saying you have to be like in for the long haul immediately, but you kind of have to realize that most successful people on keto long term stop thinking of it as a diet and start thinking of it just as the way that they eat. Yep. And so I think the number one mistake I see people doing, and this is, it's so common that it's easily overcome over time, but uh, is that people think of it as a diet and also that they have sort of really specific expectations of how things are going to go. Like they saw louise in the office lost 60 pounds in 30 days and unless they lose 60 pounds in 30 days this is bs and they're yeah waiting yeah right right it doesn't work for me right so um so it's not working for me i only lost 10 pounds this week no right so so i think kind of as a combination number one item it's just having the wrong expectations of what you're getting into Losing weight to most people means paying attention to numbers and weighing yourself and weighing your food and, you know, going going all, you know, left brain on it. Right. And I think for me, like, honestly, uh, now not to upset the calorie people, it's not that I don't think calories exist. I, I understand calories are a scientific equation, mm. but I think one of the biggest mistakes that Uh, people can make initially when starting keto is focusing on calories. Right. Um, And so don't count calories is not the same thing as saying calories don't count, but you have to sort of work with your brain and tell it to shut up when it tells you you have to count calories. Counting calories only works as if you, you know, the calories in versus calories out only works when you have absolute equilibrium. Right. We are not a closed system. And, and we're not a closed system. Yeah. It's also impossible to calculate. It is. Yeah, because you don't know 
what your metabolic rate is. At Has any anyone tried looked at a ribeye steak before? Like you look at a ribeye steak and then you look it up online as what the macros are, and then you're like, I have significant doubts that they know exactly which ribeye I had and how much protein it had yeah. versus how much fat I had. Right. We're just making approximations when we're looking at macros. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way, if you talk to Joan Walker, who I mentioned earlier, who raises the best beef in the US, her ribeyes are fattier because of what she feeds them and how she raises them. So all ribeyes are not equal in 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 taste or in what's in them, but also in their macro content is not the same. So a ribeye is not a ribeye is not a ribeye. So right there, even with a food as simple as a piece of meat, you really cannot be very sure what you're actually consuming in terms of ratios of fat to protein. One thing you can do is listen to what your body is telling you. And that's probably another thing on your list, Kim, because we're not used to doing that because our bodies have betrayed us. Our bodies have taken us downstairs at three o'clock in the morning to eat that piece of pie, right? Yeah, you have to retrain your hunger signals. And the way to do that is start to relearn satiety. You know, back in the day when I was a life coach, not including keto, I really tried hard to learn a lot about uh, intuitive eating. I, As a concept, I loved it. I knew some people that were intuitive eating coaches and I would talk to them and nod and follow along. And, you know, the, the basis of intuitive eating is uh, that your body knows what it wants and you should listen to it. And as a concept, that is entirely correct. However, when you live in a body that has been hijacked yep. by carb addiction, it yeah. tends to lead you astray. You tend to be a little cynical on listening to those body signals. <laughs> yeah, because my body, when I before I was keto, told me it wanted a cookie, That's and right. then it wanted another one. Um, and so, you know, and the intuitive eating people say, "Well, you just have to indulge that for a while, and eventually it will stop." And I'm going to say, like, 1990 through 2010, prove that that is not true. Definitely. However, you know, once you fat adapt, yeah. you absolutely have to start listening to what your body is telling you if you want to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I will say like from a behavioral perspective, you have to go one step further. So some of us are food addicts and there is an ability that a food addict has to la, 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 fingers in their ears, you know, those satiety signals to get their fix, even with keto foods. And so I think you absolutely 100% have to listen to your body um, and your hunger signals. But sometimes that is quieter than your inner addict trying to trigger you. And so mm. there can be a process that you have to go through, which kind of brings me to another point. A lot of us, addict or not, have kind of used food in our culture. Cult food is part of our culture. You know, we we celebrate with food. We we com we commiserate with food. What do, what do they say when you have a breakup? You eat a pint of ice cream. You know, you do these things. Yeah, eat my food, feelings. Right. You eat <laughs> your feelings. Food is 
enmeshed in emotion for many of us. And so there can be a relearning of your emotions. So, right, like when you are keto and you're trying to be really attuned to your body's needs, you have to know when emotionality is hijacking your food signals. Right. So, and that can be a longer process and you have to give yourself a lot of compassion along the way. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there are good questions to ask yourself. Like, if you are feeling an emotion and hunger follows in its wake, um, ask yourself if you would eat eggs or meat. Right. If your hunger is only looking for a keto cookie or a, you know, fancy drink, smoothie, whipped cream situation. Right. Mm. You're just going back to sort of mimicking foods to fill that emotional need. So I absolutely think keto is about relearning your hunger. um, But it's not like. Is it keto or not keto as a definitive food item isn't 100% of the answer to that question. When we um, had Renee Jones on the show a little while back, Renee mm. is an emotional eating coach. She, uh, We talked about if you're hungry for something specific, then you're not hungry. That's emotion talking. If it's like I'm hungry for X and it's specific – then you probably want to have a think about where that is coming from as opposed to I'll eat anything right now because I'm actually hungry. Right, especially if it's like a complex thing that you have to make or buy or, you know, it's not, yeah, yeah. I think definitely. Um, and I, it's not that I don't think there's a place in our lives for really tasty keto treat-like foods, but I think they're occasional and non uh non mood filling um and we should be clear none of us three are not guilty of this ourselves i mean oh, this is a natural not. human thing you know when when uh my emotional eating just happens to be with keto food now but it's still emotional eating and it does happen from time to time yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say in this realm, no one is ever going to be perfect. Um, You know, you can say I have never had a non-keto food, you know, from day one of keto. I've never cheated. I've never whatever, you know, and that can be 100% true and good for you. And but uh, to say I have 100% never even inched over the edge into emotional eating, I think probably there is. I can't think of a person that uh, doesn't qualify for that. Yeah, agree. Yeah. So what I recommend people do in those moments is give themselves a little bit of grace, give themselves a little bit of breathing room, you know, don't blame shame or shame yourself, but also do a little investigating because the reality is uh, many of us developed these food habits in infancy, right? right. And so... We just don't have alternate coping mechanisms. And sometimes that just is a process we have to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just want some fried chicken. (laughs) Right. And sometimes having a desire for food is a perfectly appropriate thing to have. Yeah. I mean, what's great about keto is that 
you can deal with emotional eating if your emotional eating is keto. You, you may not lose any weight, but you're probably not going to gain any weight either if you follow your hunger signals. And whereas if you're not ketogenic, you have to deal with all of those things all at once. You have to deal with the physical problems of hunger and getting enough energy and emotional eating. And that's why it's just so hard for people to lose weight. But once you get fat adapted and you do your initial weight loss and all that stuff, and then you'll stall and, you know, then you can actually take your time in dealing with your other issues without absolutely destroying your health. Yeah. So my next sort of problem people encounter when going keto uh, is related to what we've been discussing. You'll find it's all related um, is snacking. 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 I'm just going to have a little snack. A snack. Yeah, <laughs> snacking. Um, yeah. So, and, and, you know, Robert Sywis is a doctor. I love some of what he says. I disagree with some of what he says, but that is that is how the world goes round, is you mm. have to uh, have your own opinion about things. Um, but I love some of what he says, and one of which is snacking is always emotional. Mm. So, and and the way that I look at this is if you're hungry, you're having a meal. Yeah. And now that might be a small meal or a big meal, but mm. every time you eat, it's a meal. Uh, it is a food window. And yeah. when people, as we know, you know, if you follow Jason Fong or really anybody these days, they talk about the fact that your insulin needs a chance to settle down between mm. eating windows. And if you're snacking all day long or even occasionally, um, you are really throwing a wrench in your body's ability to deal with itself. It's such an easy thing. So easy. To, to do. And it seems innocent enough. Oh, it's just a cheese crisp. Oh, it's just a piece of bacon, whatever. But yet it has these significant consequences. Significant consequences for some people, especially. We actually had someone in our coaching group this week had had an epiphany where she had listened to one of our live coaching calls and I had talked about snacking and she said, you know, I suddenly realized that every night I would be meal prepping for the next day and there'd be a little taste of this and a little taste mm. of that. And she yeah. said, and I never, because it was small and I never thought about it, but, but when she heard Kim and I talking about snacking out loud, she kind of went, oh, and she changed that. She took out the snacking altogether and just had two meals in her eating window and stool busted, like, you know, within a couple of days. And her she, blood sugars that she couldn't get down right, came down. Right. Oh, that was that. That's right. It was the, her blood sugars went down. Her morning blood sugars went down by over 20 points wow. consistently. Every time she didn't take those little licks of the spoon when she was food sure. prepping the night before. So yeah. this snacking thing can can have a huge impact for what might seem to us to be a really tiny amount of food. Yeah, absolutely. So and and that's just a huge life change and it you know people are it's so much in the habit of just putting food in their mouth when food is in front of them. And so, yeah. you know, being hands off about it can take some time. 
I remember when I first went keto, and you can hear me talk about this on or in early episodes of Two Keto Dudes. I used to uh, chew gum mm. all the time, uh, sugarless gum, and have mints. I don't know what they were, sugarless mints or something, because I always I just always had to have something in my mouth. And um, it didn't take long for me to get over that habit. But I, I do remember that I, I felt like afraid of not eating. Yeah. I do think, though, that, that snacking, I'm not sure I agree that it's always emotional. I think sometimes it can just be habit. Like I remember growing up, I would come home from school, I would get off the bus, I'd walk in the house, and I would have something to eat. Well, I think boredom can qualify it's an emotion. Yeah. So I think that, you know, and sometimes people, you know, they sit down for a movie. It's just a habit that you mm. have a snack. You go to the movies, you have a snack, you just, you know, so I'm not sure that I agree that it's always emotional, but there's definitely something there that isn't always hunger that needs to be investigated so you can understand why you do that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, so for me, so far, we've talked about the mindset and expectations. We've talked about the uh, snacking issue. And then the last reason I think people can can get off track a little bit, why it tends to be not working the way they want it to, is um, that they have convinced themselves it's all about macros and it's not about food quality. So I do think that there are absolutely 100% people that can lose weight doing something that we often call if it fits your macros, yeah. um, which you'll see as I-I-F-Y-M uh written a lot and it and and it's sort of the clean camp versus the if it fits your macros camp a lot of times in discussions but there are absolutely people that have lost weight doing if it fits your macros but ultimately i do not view keto as a primarily i should say a weight loss approach I actually have to remind myself of this when I get upset about not losing weight when I want to. But, um, you know, it is a health approach. It is an optimal health approach. And your weight loss, if you have weight to lose, should be a uh, fabulous side effect of your Agreed. health gains. And so when optimizing your health, ingredients matter because food is data for your body. It is little bits of information that your body uses to function and to build pathways and to properly fuel yourself. And it's not to say that like you can only have uh, leafy greens, water, and meat and eggs, although that is a fabulous approach if you want to do that. Um, but it's not to say that you can't ever eat outside that little box. Um, but it is to say that you have to pay attention to what you're putting in your mouth and what is in it. So, I mean, let's talk about some particulars, about some particular things that you see people do or mistakes you see them making with food quality. Sure. I mean, so there can be a number of reasons that it can matter. Um, one of which is just is going right back to the emotions. So uh, I know 
I have clients who, you know, they'll, they'll be like, well, I, you know, I have like one diet soda a day and I'm like, okay, well, let's look at what the impact of that diet soda is. And if the only impact, if the only thing happening was they had that diet soda and then they went about their merry way and they ate very well the rest of the day and they weren't hungry in weird spots I would say, okay, the impact of that is probably low, and that's a mm-hmm. decision you know you can choose, right? We're all adults here. Everyone chooses what they put in their mouth. Nobody accidentally eats something, you know, it, unless you know, for the most part. And so, unless like you know, a bug flies in your mouth, you know, that kind. Of, <laughs> that's all protein. It's fine. Um, so, but then I have a lot of other clients who say, well, I can't stop wanting to eat all afternoon and we trace it back and it they take out the diet soda and then that sweet thing wasn't triggered and their hung their hunger signals were actually getting somewhat hijacked by that daily inclusion of sweetener and so ultimately you have to look at the effect of everything. And so something that seems super innocuous, an ingredient that seems super no big deal, can actually have caused kind of a cascade through your day. I like to, uh, when I'm talking to people about how to get back on uh, the right track, it's pure elimination. You know, you're, you're going to start with one meal of just meat and salt every day for three days. That's it. You know, and and then, you know, you're going to obviously you're going to see results. Anybody who does that in and to satiety. And I mean that. And then start adding back one day at a time the things that, you know, that you're concerned about or you think that might be. And I had a I have a client who found out that cabbage, just having cabbage with his meal um, gave him a 13 point rise in blood glucose. And he didn't even, you know, it was basically meat, 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 meat. And then, okay, I'm going to add a little cabbage and boom, his, his blood sugar shot up. So you never know. The problem is that if you try to go from your normal eating patterns to cutting out stuff to see if it affects you, most people will cut out more than one variable and then vary it from day to day. Um, so it's much easier I think if you can do it, if you have a test-minded mind, you know, and you don't mind doing it to start with minimal and then add back the things that you think might be problems. Yeah, and a a proper elimination diet, which I work through with people, um, I actually do 30 days. So, um, and, you know, you want to really get everything out of their habits, out of their system. Now, I don't do one meal a day with them. I find that a little challenging for 30 days, but I do two, you know, uh, and and it's mostly meat and salt, and then you're getting to a point where your system is kind of humming along pretty well without all sorts of things, and then you can su- really tell when you start reintroducing things right. how your system reacts. Um, and so, you know, n- there are a lot of people out there in the world who are including a lot of things that I choose not to eat, and I, like I said, we're all free citizens. I totally support anybody eating anything that they want to eat. I, you know, truly food is not good or bad, evil or right, you know, good. It seems good in a lot of ways. Um, but the, the reality is 
everything you do has a consequence. Do you like the consequences or do you not like the consequences? And so there are some consequences, I think, to eating certain ingredients and you have to look at those really clearly. Agreed. So you guys, Carrie and Kim, have a coaching company that we've talked about on Two Keto Dudes before. Just tell us a little bit about that and how people can reach out to you. So Carrie and I are both foodies and long-term keto ladies, uh, though we also accept men in the program. Uh, And we uh, decided to put our head together and use our knowledge to come up with a easy lifestyle approach to keto. And so we've been doing that for a while now, and it's been amazing. So we typically run the eight-week programs every other month. So January, March, May, July, and September. We don't run it in November and December because Holidays. Holidays, yeah. So the last round of the year is actually starting on September the 9th. And it's an eight-week program. It's a group program. We work with people on live calls, and they get all sorts of food plans that are full of the delightful Ms. Brown's recipes. And so it's it's a rollicking good time. A rollicking good time, and we are confident that you will also break stalls and lose dress sizes and have a lot of fun and meet a lot of new friends. And we say this because we've had a lot of people share their testimonies in the group and out of the group as to how this has really helped them get on track or really helped them get started if they're new or just re-get themselves back on the wagon if they've fallen off. Any challenges that you uh, didn't foresee? Not really. I mean, the program's going really well. People are super awesome in it. And I get very excited for them when they say, you know, they thought they were doing keto, you know, right and they realized they'd fallen off or they realized they'd gotten a little bit off track and now they see what they were doing wrong and they'd lost 10 pounds and they feel amazing or their blood sugars are now in a good range it's not by the way it's not only a weight loss program it is called happy healthy keto for a reason not sure lose the weight keto but yeah. but like i said a wonderful side effect is that people do lose weight Sure. And and just to be clear, we don't think for one second that everybody needs a program. There are so many people who do fantastically well without any help. But there are some people who just enjoy the community that a program gives or they just want a starting point. Or we have a bunch of people who just got bored with the food they were eating. And so there's a lot of different reasons why a program might be for you, but it also may well not. And we're here to help the people for who a program can get them back on track or get them started the right way. So your program has menus then? It does. It has many menus. We have five different meal plans 
one is we have dairy free, egg free. We have one that has a cornucopia of tastes and flavors for people who have the time and the inclination and the desire to do a little bit of cooking every day, although the recipes are all super fast and easy. Then there's another meal plan, which we call the rinse and repeat, where you cook every other day and then you eat leftovers on day two and day four and day six. And then we also have the I have no freaking time meal plan, (laughs) which is the super fast uh, plan that you won't get bored, but you will do minimal cooking or prep. Do you have the chef it up, zhuzh it, make it awesome meal plan? That's for I think the, the, yeah, like that's to, in there. That's the that's, that's the, the I have plenty of time. Yeah, the all the, the things, plan. the all the things yeah. meal plan or whatever I called it. I don't remember. All the, I think it is all the things. Yeah, and you know, we because as you say, Carl, we do think that cooking is important for people to take control of their health. But what cooking looks like for everybody can look a little bit different in terms of how much effort is put into it. Agreed. And not everybody has the time to shop and cook and do everything. Sometimes you got to cut corners. Stresses some people out to Mm. try and make anything more than eggs and meat. And luckily that works. Well, speaking of food... Uh, uh, Miss Kim, I hear that you uh, have a recipe <laughs> to share with yes. us. I'm going to share the recipe I made for Keto Fest. Oh, cool. So it is, uh, it is tiramisu, which is Italian for pick me up. Um, Neat. It sounds so Japanese, doesn't it? It's not. It's not Japanese. Oh, of course it's not, but it sounds Japanese. It's the most Japanese-sounding Italian food I've ever heard of. <laughs> well, you know, I've recently come to realize that a, quite a few Italian sayings sound Asian in some way. Like, I went to a restaurant recently hmm. called Dai Due, and I was like, is it like Cambodian? But no, it's, right. it's Italian. It's Italian. Anyway. Interesting. Uh, so tiramisu, pick me up. And so if anybody that doesn't know, tiramisu is like a layered cake. It is essentially if you turned a latte into a cake a bit, right? And it's normally made with lady fingers. So a traditional tiramisu is layers of mascarpone, cream, zabaglione, which is like a, a custard and lady fingers, which are essentially a cookie. Um, mm. But in the keto version, we make a, a vanilla cake to use for the cake layer. So this recipe seems complicated, but it's actually very simple. Um, you're making a cake. It's a very thin cake. Uh, and then you're setting that aside then you're making zebaglione, which is like a cooked egg yolk custard. And okay. then you're letting that cool. And then you're making whipped cream and you're folding that into mascarpone, which you just buy, right? And then you're folding the zebaglione into the mascarpone and whipped cream. So now I you haven't have heard any espresso yet. Not yet. And oh. then you, so you've made this sort of very complex, tasty cream. And then so you've got the cake and you've got the cream. You brew some espresso and you add some sweetener and some rum. 
to it uh, because that adds a lot of flavor. I would say flavor to taste. And then what you're doing is you're taking out a big pan of some kind, whatever serving dish you want to do this in, and you're putting down a layer of cake and you're soaking that in the liquid, the rum and coffee, you know, combo. Yeah, yeah. Then you're topping that with the cream and then you're sprinkling on a solid layer of unsweetened cocoa and you repeat that process two to three times. Wow, nice. Yeah. So, you know, I could go into exact details, but it's on my website and I don't want to take up all your time today. So you can tell me if you want me to give the details or if that sounds good. No, that sounds great. Yeah. I think uh, that's the the general gist of it is awesome. And we'll put the link in the show notes and go make some tiramisu. Yeah. And I want you to know, tell people you- that if the zabaglione part, which is the probably the more complicated part, you're cooking a custard in a double boiler. If that like freaks you out and you just can't handle it, you can leave that out and just add a little more sweetener to the cream. Just make a combination of whipped cream and mascarpone and some sweetener maybe a little vanilla that tastes really good to you and just call it a day would you do the redneck version maybe as like sugar-free jello jello i don't do sugar-free jello it's on my (laughs) i don't eat it list but i do make a i do make a fabulous uh trifle okay just talking to the brits in the house a trifle which is essentially is a trifle like a British version of a tiramisu almost it's a no it's completely different okay fine I'm reaching too far I but I you can make a trifle using the exact same cake that I use in the tiramisu yes Mm -hmm. using the exact same cream I use in the tiramisu yeah we wouldn't have mascarpone in it oh that's true okay I do so when I do my trifle I do a layer of that cake I make a fruit layer that I create gelatin with so that it sets up. Like I use a, you know, a Great Lakes grass-fed gelatin and I'll make a layer of that. I'll use a layer of uh, what I no longer call a baglioni, but I now call a creme anglaise. Uh, yeah, creme but they're <laughs> the same thing. Um, Carrie's shaking her head. They're heathen. That's not heathen. a trifle. That's all I can say. I'm saying they're effectively <laughs> similar. And then I do a layer of whipped cream. And so there are endless sort of versions of layered desserts one can do in keto. And uh, so I do many of them. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kim. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, and happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you, guys. It's my birthday today. (laughs) 29, right? I already sang, so I'm not singing again. You don't have to sing again. It's okay. It's all right. You know, I am 43 today. So you're you're past the answer to all questions. I am. I'm no longer the secret to the universe. The secret I am to the now universe. over the hill. But you still know where your towel is, I bet. <laughs> I don't I, even was know that a reference that to something? Oh, right. Okay, never mind. I know what you're talking about. I'm confused. Well, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something maybe we said wrong or something you don't agree with, some more research that you've found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at twoketodudes. Make sure to use the hashtag twoketodudes. 
And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com. Also, check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. If you pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to an exclusive Facebook group, Two Keto Dudes Gold. We also have a free Facebook fan page at fb.2keto.com, so go follow us there. And you can see all of our podcasts and other videos, such as the Keto Fest videos, on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. Also, we have an Amazon affiliate store, so you can buy your favorite keto ingredients and devices by going to amazon.2keto.com, and you can help us out at the same time. We would love you to be involved in helping us build the most awesome keto community, and you can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, because that's how a lot of new people get to know about our keto community. Plus, plan on attending Keto Fest in Connecticut in the fall of 2020, because the community that is built there is absolutely incredible. Just head to ketofest.com to get all the latest information. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Now listen up, kids. Keep calm and keto on. That's right, Carl. Keep calm and keto on. Keep calm and keto on, Kim. Keep calm and keto on, Keto Dudes. And we'll see you next time on Two Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.